So if you will this morning, turn with me in our text, which is in the last letter that Paul ever wrote, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 will be our text this morning. Saying that means this was at the end of Paul's life, and you'll see one of those precious nuggets this morning that Paul learned while here on earth about his Lord, because the Lord is so faithful to teach us. 2 Timothy 2.13 reads this way, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art, how faithful thou art, how merciful, how long-suffering thou art to thy people. O Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord of life, the King of kings. All full of mercy, Lord, full of love for thy people. I thank you this morning, Lord, that thou art faithful. Faithful to be that Lord to thy people. Faithful to us wandering sheep. Faithful to us who get so busy in this world, we forget. Lord, I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for all you are. And I pray now, Lord, in this hour that you would be pleased to impress it upon us, this great truth of thy faithfulness to yourself, to your church, to your Father, to all, Lord, that you are. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. There's so much comfort in this verse for the child of God. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. I'm glad that last part is in there because it tells us the basis and the foundation for his faithfulness. And this morning we'll back up and we'll look at a couple of verses before it to tell us that we'll also build on that foundation to tell us why he's faithful or how he's faithful. And but I thought about it a lot. We we said it a lot on the on the vacation that we were on. I, at least I did many times and things that would take place and. Uh, I'd make that comment, boy, the Lord is faithful. He is faithful. Well, it's always implied this verse. <laughs> He's always faithful even though we're not. I thought about that just for myself and my normal routine when I'm not on vacation. My normal routine consists in me getting up first thing in the morning and, and going straight to the Word and my time of prayer and, and time in the Word and time of studying, and I thought about how many times that got interrupted as other things would come in and other things that you wanted to do and things you wanted to accomplish on vacation, and and I thought about that as, as I would miss that time and I'd feel a heaviness. I knew that was the faithfulness of the Lord to show me that He's faithful always, even when I'm not. And and when I, when I think of a text like this, I, I think of I think of religion today. I think of parts of religion that think that God, this almighty God, is moved by cause and effect, is moved by something we do. Well, I'm not obeying, so the Lord's going to do this. I'm not believing, so the Lord's going to do this. (laughs) That's a terrible place to be, to make God, the almighty God, contingent upon something you do or something the church does. 
He is faithful because our text tells us he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny his decree. He cannot deny his faithful calling. He cannot deny his power. He cannot deny his covenant. The covenant that the three in one made far before the world was ever made. Before you and I were ever thought of or in this world. And I think about that and it brings me comfort. And it brings me great uh, thoughts of His mercy and His long-suffering toward me. So this morning, as I said, we're going to back up and start in verse 11. I, I think about what true faith is, though. What is true faith? Faith always apprehends Christ. But faith really is counting Him faithful in all things. Faith never leads you to yourself. And we think about the things that the Lord is faithful and how He accomplishes those things for us and on our behalf. And things in this life, I want you to consider those things that don't go your way. Was the Lord not faithful? Was it Him? And we say, well, you know, I mean, if, it did, if He didn't bring it about, why didn't He? Our text tells us that. He cannot deny himself. He cannot deny who he is. He cannot deny his decree. He cannot deny his will. Therefore, if something didn't go your way and it didn't get accomplished, it wasn't because of his unfaithfulness. It's because it was not his will and because he's faithful to himself. Not because of our shortcomings. See, that puts the onus on us. It makes our God controllable and answerable to us. I wouldn't want that. I hope you don't either. I want a Lord that's the Lord and King of my life. I want the one who's going to perform all things for me. I want the one who's faithful when I'm not. So we back up this morning and we begin in verse 11. And as I, as I mentioned to you, this is Paul's last letter he ever wrote in his life before he died, before he was martyred. And this one went to Timothy, as his two letters did, the, the one that he groomed in the faith, who knew Timothy would be the one who continued to preach the gospel in his place. One of them. And so he, does, he always gave him letters of how and, and, and how to do things or what was proper to do. And then we get these statements like we have today of what he'd been taught. And isn't that truly what a, a father, as he called Timothy, his son, not by birth, but by the Spirit? Isn't that what we want for those? Those of us who are aged, who have, who have more aged in the truth, isn't that what we want? We want those who are coming up and learning in the truth to, to learn by how the Lord has taught us. Knowing that that may not be their path, it may, but the Lord is faithful in these things that Paul says. He's faithful in it. He begins at 11 by saying the same thing. It is a faithful saying. It is of faith. Faith reveals this. Faith which is a gift of God. The faith of the Lord Jesus Christ says this. If we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. Now remember, we're building to what he says in 13. 
he abideth faithful. These verses are talking about his faithfulness. So as we come to 11, it says, If we be dead with him, we shall live with him. We shall also live with him. Why? Because of him. Because of his decree. Because that we are in him. This is speaking of our eternal, vital union. It's talking about our union that we have in Christ. That because he went first, because our head and our shepherd did these things, because he is the all-powerful one, this is what we have. And there's no different here. It says, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. That's resurrection life. That's what we have because Jesus Christ was dead and buried and he rose again. And because he was dead and buried, we too are dead and buried and rise again. We were dead in sins and trespasses. We were dead in the, to we were dead to anything that the Lord had for us. But he made us alive spiritually. We have this twofold promise and and all of his promises are yea and amen that we'll talk about today. But we have this twofold promise of everything that he went through in the body, we go through in the body. Everything he goes through spiritually, that's what he does for us. That's what he provides for us. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Paul said this perfectly in Galatians 2.20 where he said, I am crucified, past tense. I am dead. I, am, I died on the cross with him by union. As he went to the cross, as he carried the burden of sin, as he went there, he went there with me in mind, in heart, in representation. He went there first. He went to the cross. I am crucified with him. That's why Paul could say that. I am dead to the world. And I will talk about more of that here in a second. I'm dead to sin because of Christ. I am crucified with Christ. I died with Him. Nevertheless, I live. Paul, is, 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 as he's writing the letter to Galatia, as he's writing to the Christians, as he's writing to them, he is physically alive. He is living spiritually because of his death and resurrection in and by and through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a faithful saying, Timothy. It is a faithful saying, children of God, that if Christ died and we be dead in and by and with him, we shall also live in and by and through him. He says, nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, to make sure we know that there wasn't a transference. It wasn't Christ dying and then we die and we're on our own to live. It's not a transference. It's not now go to your free will or go to your own obedience or go to your life and now live because I set you free. Our freedom, as Paul wrote many times, he's in bonds. He's in bonds to his Lord. I am a servant to my Lord. Willingly, lovingly, because of Christ's work in our hearts. So as we see this, as we say, as Paul says, 
I live, yet not I, it's not me, but Christ who lives in me. It's His life, it's His power, it's His Spirit that energizes me every day to look to Him. If I look to Him, it's because of Him. If I love Him, it's because He loved me first. It's because of His love. If I believe in Him, it's because He's given me faith. If I have peace to live in this tumultuous world, it's because He's the Prince of Peace and He's given me peace. But Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, and He says right here before you, I live by the faith of the Son of God. He didn't say I live by faith. Because that would leave us to think that, okay, Maybe there is a transference. Maybe that faith is our faith. Well, it is ours, but it's ours by imputation. It's never separated from Christ. It's never separated from His faith. That's what He says here. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. Loved is in the past tense because it's eternal. Because it was before the foundation of the world. Doesn't mean he doesn't love him now. He's emphasizing the part that he's always been loved. And he always will be loved. Who loved me and gave himself for me. He loved me before the foundation of the world as a lamb slain. And he loved me in time when he came and he died for me. And he loved me when he came out of that grave. And he loves me today as he's reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. who loved me and gave himself for me. Yes, it is a faithful saying, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now I told you, this is, this is the only place we're going to go today. Uh, turn with me to Romans 6 real quick. I just want to look at the first 11 verses quickly to show you what Paul means about living um, in this life as not a prisoner of sin. Sin does not have a dominion over us. Does it affect us? Absolutely. But does it reign over us? No, Christ does. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? You think that's a really foolish thing for Paul to say, but it was a prevailing thought in the religious circles that day. It's, a still, it's still a prevailing thought today. It's okay if we sin. The more we sin, actually, the more grace is shown to us. God forbid. Paul says it. God forbid. God forbid that thought from, from going into your mind. And God forbid that that thought is ever murmured in the church. That we are to frivolously live and just to think, well, it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter how much sin we do. It doesn't matter how much we're going to sin in the future. He died for them. That's a frivolous and a, a non-glorifying thought. It's sin. What the Lord does in the child of God's life in humbleness and humility, He shows him that it's his sin that put him on the cross. And because of that, he hates sin. He hates what sin did to Christ. But he loves what Christ did to sin by putting it away, by his blood covering it. 
God forbid, Paul said. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Remember, our, remember what our, our, our verse said. It said, if, he, if we're dead with him, we're also alive with him. And Paul's explaining that here. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? And we're not talking a physical baptism there. We're talking spiritually. What the Holy Spirit has revealed to us, we have entered into the same things that Christ has entered into by the Spirit. By the Spirit. We've been dead. We've been risen again. We've been spiritually. So here we go. So know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. That's what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. That we were dead with him. That he took a that we were on his breast, so to speak. That all of his church went down with him into that tomb. That hung with him on the cross. We were dead with him. We also live with him. We live with him because as he came up out of the grave, and that's what baptism pictures for us. And we're to walk in the newness of life. That newness of life, it's his life. It's not something that we put on. It's not something when you, when you, baptism doesn't save you. Baptismal regeneration doesn't make you new. It's not, there's no such thing. It doesn't make you alive. What the child of God partakes in baptism is to show and witness this is what the Lord has revealed to my soul. This is what the Lord has done for me. He died, He rose again, and now I'm living. I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live because of Him. Because He's living. Know you not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. That's what I was just referring to in the symbolicness of baptism. But it's true. Spiritually. We don't, need, we don't need to go down into physical water for that to take place. Because it pl- took place in Christ and it took place by the Holy Spirit when we were born again. When we, when we, were, we were dead in trespasses and sins and He made us alive. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of His death, we shall also be in the likeness of His resurrection. Spiritually, as I've already said. Physically, no doubt. Same way. Everything he did, we partake in. As Jesus came up out of, with a, his glorified body, we too, our vile body, will be changed into a glorified body. Well, that's, that's that, oh, I could go on and on about that. Because it's precious to see that our Lord has done everything. Everything. You know, there's, there's so many times in this world that I sit down and I make myself a list of things I want to accomplish. Or as I'm, you know, I just bought a tent that I took down to the uh, beach to put up. And you want to follow every instruction. Well, if you're a man, you, you know you don't do that. But as we're putting up the tent, you know, there's things that I bypassed because I didn't think about them. And then I'd have to undo how I didn't do it. Then I'd have to put it up right. But that's not what the Lord in His covenant did for His people. He left nothing out. There's nothing for us to go, well, what is it going to be like? 
He's revealed everything through His Scriptures, everything through the Word, everything by the power of His Spirit, that He has, he has done everything for us. That's blessed comfort to me. Why? Because He abided faithful. We're not faithful. I mean, there, you know how many times we question things like that? Well, is that really real? You know, or, or can that, you know, it's been a long time. Is the Lord going to come again? You know, he, he, you know, I don't think He will because it's our... No. The Lord reveals to the... That's what faith is. It's a living faith. It apprehends what the Lord has done and has done and will do. We all have a future. Whatever's going, whatever the Lord's future that is for us here on earth and the, the world to come with Him. That is secured in Christ. By Christ. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now he's telling us why sin doesn't have dominion over us. That old man doesn't rule us. That old nature is not the one that's king in our life because of regeneration, because of the new man of grace that's in us. For he that is dead is freed from sin. That don't make sense, does it? Well, yeah, physically, if you die, you're not sinning anymore. But that's the way it is here spiritually. If we're dead to sin in Christ Jesus, we're freed from the dominion and the, the burden and the power of sin over us. By something we did? No, by the blood of the cross. The blood of Him on the cross. By His resurrection. By His life, by what He's done, He's freed us. He set captivity captive. He's, he set us free. Knowing that Christ... Oh, I'm sorry. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. That's our text. That's what our text said. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death has no more <laughs> dominion over Him. And dear ones, it doesn't have dominion over you and I either. But you know what? When we walk out of this place and we go home or on the way home, somebody pulls in front of us and we run off the road or, or we get sick, guess what's going to be there? The specter of death that all our life we're subject to. Does that death have dominion over us? No, it doesn't. That's what he's telling us here. Death has no more dominion over him because he came up out of the grave and has no more dominion over you and I. That's the life we live. We live in that resurrection hope. We live in that the faith of the resurrection. We live in everything that Christ has done for us. That's what the Holy Spirit teaches us each day. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise. So Paul, after making that whole argument, he says, likewise, reckon. Sit down, ponder this. You know how we sit down to figure out finances? You know how we sit down to map out something? You know how we sit down and make a list? Sit down and think about this. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Sin has no dominion on you. But alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let's go back to our text. In 2 Timothy 2. He, our Lord, is our resurrection. He was faithful in going to the cross. He was faithful in rising again. He was faithful in ascending. And all of those three, because of His faithfulness, 
we too will be faithful in those things. In death, in resurrection, in ascension. Because of Him. We're not going alone. We're going by Him. By His power. Now we move on to verse 12. If we suffer. Hmm, we're going to suffer. I think we all know that. Because of the, the frailty of the flesh. Because of the, the old nature that's and sin that's tearing down our bodies. We're going to suffer. Because of sin and what it does to us, we suffer. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. So if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Paul in Romans 8, 16 and 17 says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. That's what he, he reveals to us. He reveals to our spirit. You are a child of God. We can't get that by reading a book or filling out a card and or even telling people. We can't go out, oh, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of God. I'm this. It doesn't make you a child of God. The Holy Spirit reveals to your spirit that you are a child of God. That's the only way. And if children, guess what we have? Then we're heirs. We're heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. That's what we've been speaking of all all day because of his faithfulness we are joint heirs with Christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together you and I in this life will have many crosses that we bear I don't know what your crosses will be I know you've probably already had some I know you'll probably have more those things that try our souls that drive us and bring us to Christ. Why? Because they're by design for every one of us. Because we're joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with Him. And you know, sometimes we think of suffering and we think it's physical all the time. Oh, I have to go through this. I, I, you know, I've been pretty healthy. Maybe I'm not suffering. No, no, no. Most of our suffering is up here in the mind. It really is. The warfare that we have, it's with our emotions. It's with sin and those battles and those things that cause us to think. Sin, unbelief. We suffer so much in the mind and then as we go on and we live that way, there's one mistake made after another or a lie or whatever it is. And then when the Lord comes and the Lord says, Thou art the man. When the Lord says, This is what you... You just suffered. You suffered anguish. You suffered sorrow. You suffered waywardness. We just sang that song. I was a wandering sheep. We can sing that song on a weekly basis. We're not looking at past tense. We're not looking before the Lord. We certainly were wandering then. But we're still prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Isn't that part of the song? Not this one. But... Yeah, I do feel it. I'm prone to wander. As I said, you go on vacation, the things you want to do and the things you want to cram into time you start to lose those things that you're used to and accustomed to. And one of the things that I suffered in was my time of communion with the Lord. And I felt it. 
And I knew it. And I suffered. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him. See, that's that speaks something of our suffering Savior. He did suffer, but now he's reigning. As he went first, as we are joint heirs with Christ, if we suffer with him, we will be glorified together with him. Everything he went through, we will be brought through. That's a promise. That's the promise of the scriptures as they support each other. And everything's going well. Everything we're sitting here, wow, Lord, you're so faithful. Then we come to the next phrase. The scary one. If we deny him, he also will deny us. You think, oh, wait a minute, Paul. You know, what are you talking about here? Can the, can the child of God deny Christ and Christ deny us? No, we can't. He's not speaking of the children of God here. The Holy Spirit puts this in here for examination, and we will. The children of God are examined by the Word of God. You remember when they were all sitting around and Jesus told the disciples, He said, one of you is going to betray me. And one by one, they started saying, Lord, is it I? What does that? That's the Holy Spirit searching the heart, saying, I'm capable of this. It's definitely, my fallen nature is wicked. I'm capable of, I'm even denying the Lord Jesus Christ. But it wasn't them. You say, well, didn't they deny Christ and they all scattered? Absolutely. Didn't Peter deny Christ three times? Absolutely. Didn't David deny Christ and everything he did with, with what he did many times in his life, with numbering the people, with what he did with Bathsheba? Wasn't there a denial of Christ over and over? Yes. That's how I know this is not for the child of God. It's for the ones Paul said that he said they had a form of godliness, but they denied the power thereof. It's for the religionist. It's for those who say that I am a child of the king. Let me show you why I am a child of the king. Let me show you what merit I have that has warranted the Lord saving me. If we deny him, because the end result to those religionists will be they will deny Him. I'll tell you why in a minute. I won't tell you. Jesus' words will tell you here in a minute. But this phrase, I believe, that the Holy Spirit put this in so that you and I would be examined. Oh Lord, is that me? How many times, Lord, have I denied You? But the problem is, we have to go further. If this is truly us, you have to say Christ has denied you. Has He? Has He denied His love? Has He denied His faithfulness? Has He denied His peace? I can't answer that for you. But the Holy Spirit does answer that in the child of God's life. Jesus spoke to the religious world 
that denied him as Lord and King. And he said to them in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, he said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. So we see something there. That when we live before men, there is a confession of Christ. You say, well, wait a minute, Peter didn't. Okay, we're not talking about the elect here. Because then he says this, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you like I have, but I've had somebody God's brought into my life. And there's been whatever it was, I've had that opportunity to witness to that person. Not witness like the people who knock on the door, just they said something to me, and instead of correcting what they had to say or telling them what the Lord, how the Lord saw it, I just didn't want to get involved. I wanted to be over. I'd turn my back and I'd go walk on or I'd just dismiss them with some kind of conversation. Did I just deny the Lord? Did I just deny what the Lord had done in my life openly before men? Yeah. Yeah. This just goes back to what our text said. It's, it's not me. It's not what I do. It's what He's done. We're saved based on His merit. What He's done in our life. Not our merit. Not what we've done. And so later, after that occurrence, then the Holy Spirit would convict me and say, this is how you should have spoke for the Lord. Yeah. But did the Lord cast me off? No. He succored me. He healed me. He revealed the blood that covered my sin. Did I have sorrow? Absolutely. That's what the child of God goes through. Sorrow godly sorrow that works repentance. That's from Him. He said this in Mark 8.38 Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Well, have we ever been ashamed? Yes. Was Peter ashamed that night? Was David ashamed? Were those that were were um, were those that um, who were the two? Abraham and Isaac, both of them. Remember, they um, had their wives and they went before Pharaoh, and they said and they told Pharaoh, "What? This is my sister." Why? Why did you not stand in the faith and say, "Listen, this is my wife. We're, you know, we fear the Lord." We, but no, there's there was a denial. What did the Lord do? He remained faithful. He's the one who told Pharaoh, "Don't touch that woman." And guess what? Pharaoh didn't. See, it didn't depend on Abraham and Isaac, and it didn't depend on Peter, and it didn't depend because we do fall. And we do sin. Now does that give us license to sin? God forbid. God forbid that thought. 
in your mind. In fact, what it should do for the child of God is make him ever more sober to what lies within him. The wickedness that lies within him. Constantly praying for the Lord to put that down. Mortify that. Put it to death, Lord. That I might serve you in the newness of life. Yes, that we in Him, in this little passage, if we deny Him, he all, it's troublesome to us. But if we understand it in the context that Paul, who's always, always, always standing for the truth, not wavering in anything. Listen, I, I'm not talking about this. The Lord will deny those that are not His. He will. He said, I'm not, I'm not talking about universal atonement here. I'm not talking about everybody saved. If we deny Him, He also will deny us. You know, you do know the church is mixed. The assembly of believers has always been mixed. It's been mixed since day one. There's always that mixture in with the believers. There's always that wheat and tear. Paul's speaking to the wheat. But the Holy Spirit speaks it to the... I mean, Paul's speaking about the tares, but the Holy Spirit speaks it to the wheat for examination. And Lord, is it I? I know I'm capable of this. I know that I've denied you, Lord. Because after that comes our text. So we know, we know that the text is true. We know that the Bible's true. We know that every... Every child of God, and not every one of them, but the shown us on record that did deny the Lord are saved and they're His people. So then the beauty of the text comes in. We must go through 12. We must talk about 12 to get to 13. Now we come back to the church. Now we come back to the believers. For if we believe not, Yet he abides faith. And all those examples I gave you, the Lord abided faithful. When Peter denied him three times, the Lord gave him that look. The Lord appeared to Peter. The Lord told Mary, go tell them and Peter. The Lord was faithful to Peter. The Lord was faithful to David. The Lord was faithful to Abraham and faithful to Isaac. The Lord is faithful to His own. All the way to the end. Having loved His own, He loved them to the end. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. Romans 3. Is that Romans 3? 3 and 4 say this. For what if some did not believe? Paul asked that question. Maybe Romans 4. I can't read my writing. Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? It's the question that we have in front of us. Will our unbelief make the faith of God have no effect? Can it? You know what Paul's answer was? God forbid. We've heard that before, haven't we? God forbid that thought. Listen to what he says of that. Let God be true. Yea, let God be true but every man a liar. 
God is true to Himself through His Son. That's what our text tells us. He cannot deny Himself. Jeremiah 32, 40. Jeremiah says this, the power of the Holy Ghost, and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them. That's what we see in our text today. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. That is preserving grace because he can't deny himself. He can't deny the election of the Father. He cannot deny that the Son laid down His life for them. He cannot deny that the Holy Spirit has sealed them. It will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. I will always do them good. That's what Romans 8.28 tells us. It's always for our good. Everything is working for our good. But I will put my fear in their hearts that they shall not depart from me. That's preserving grace. And grace will keep you and I, if we be in Christ, from ever departing from Christ. Fatally. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. And then that little phrase, he cannot deny himself. In John 15, 16, he said it this way, You have not chosen me. It had nothing to do with you. This was after he told them he was the vine and they were the branches. The branch cannot choose the vine. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. I've chosen you. And I've ordained you. I've said it, my will will be done. I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. Now how could Jesus say that if He wasn't the fruit bearer? If He wasn't the one that was going to bring forth the fruit? He's not going to speak on their frailty. He's not going to speak on what they're going to... They're all about to deny Him. This is John 15. That's not fruit, denying Christ. But you shall, you will go forth and you will bring fruit forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, He may give it to you. And you know how He'll give it to Him? Through the Son. And that's what He's ordained. I've already alluded to this text, 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in Him are yea and in Him amen unto the glory of God by us. All the promises in this book are yea and amen. That means they're absolute. That means there's no man can turn them. That means no man can alter them. Doesn't matter what you think. Doesn't matter. Because we do have those problems in life, don't we? We get tantalized by a thought or something we, we read or something we hear and we go with that and we start to think maybe that's truth. And we go that way and we say, well, maybe that's, maybe that's got... But the Lord, He'll bring His sheep back. And He'll reveal what the truth is because He brings it to the Word. He brings it to the Word. And finally, our last text of the day is John 6, 37. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. You will come. You will. In the day of His power. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. 
Why are these verses chosen? Why? Because our text says he cannot deny himself. This is what he said he will do, and he does. And as we are brought to Christ, and I thought about ending by asking you if you've come to Christ, but I didn't want to sound like some Arminian minister, but I don't mean at one time. I mean, has the Lord bidden you to his table over and over in your life? Has he, has he brought you to the banqueting table as his banner over you is love? Has he bid you to come to feast in his word? Has he bid you side by, as he, side by side with the word as he's revealed it to your soul? They must all be taught of the Lord. And the Lord is faithful to do it because he cannot deny himself. Praise God that he can. Think about how many times we deny ourselves. But he never does. If we believe not, our text one more time, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Let us pray. O Lord, add thy power and thy clarity. Come to our souls, Lord. Bid us to come to thy table. Reveal to us, Lord, thy faithfulness. Pick us up, Lord, as we fall. And show us, Lord, that thy power and thy preserving grace and thy sustaining grace will bring us through all of our days because of you, Lord. Because of what you have done. For all glory and honor belongs unto you. Lord, teach us that. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.